everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. You might notice my audio is a bit off this morning, and that's because I am traveling. I am in beautiful Maine with my family this week, visiting our family, and it is exhausting, y'all. It is wild vacationing with a toddler. So apologies for this episode being a day late, Um, but I can't wait for you to hear it. It's um, with Veronica Castellanos, who actually is a part of the Amplify Her Media lineup with the Momster podcast. Veronica and I connected through past guest Ruby. And this episode is honestly, while I was editing it, it's exactly what I needed to hear (laughs) on this trip because Veronica really gets into her healing journey, the emotion she's felt as a mom, uh, mom rage, and everything that comes with that. And just realizing that like her actions and her behaviors and her healing, you know, that's directly consumed by her children. So it's, it's such a great episode. And I loved talking to Veronica about all of this. I could have talked to her for hours and I'm sure she'll be back on the show. Um, but in, you know, after you listen to this episode, please go check out her podcast, the Momster podcast, um, because she just really, you know, talks honestly about her journey and what she's done and, um, just the things that she's working on, which I always appreciate. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Veronica. Uh, thank you for bearing with me with the audio and the the day late. I uh, so appreciate it. And if you are a parent of a small child and you're on vacation right now, I you're my hero. Like you're amazing and you're doing a great job. Just just remember that. All right. Um, enjoy this interview, guys. Veronica, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you and so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I was so excited. Definitely jumped on the yes to be here. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you and I have met through our mutual friend, Ruby, and you um, have been a listener of this show. And I I'm so grateful. You were the first person who I saw playing my show in their car and I freaked out (laughs) and I was like, wait, what's happening? And, um, you approached me when I was talking about, um, the Amplify Her Media Network and what I was doing. And we, we chatted about your show and wanting you wanting to kind of bring it back to life and put it out there in the world. And soon after you became a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. Um, and my goal is to amplify women's voices and stories. And it's been so fun seeing your show come back to life and seeing the topics that um, you've put out in the world. So first of all, if you haven't yet, please go check out Veronica's show, The Momster Podcast. It is awesome. It's beautiful. It's raw. I feel like I say this whenever I mention Veronica. Uh, she has the most soothing voice as well. <laughs> I love listening to her. And I'm excited for you to feel her soothing voice during this conversation yeah. um, and listen to that voice. Um, but I wanted to kind of backtrack a bit and 
talk to you about your story around motherhood, because I know that is so much of um, what you have channeled into your show. That's so much of what you've put out there in the world and, and the conversations you've wanted to have with other people who have kids and specifically moms. So I wanted to ask you first and foremost, what made you grab a mic initially and start talking about your experience? Because I'm always really interested in the action. Like, how did you go and take that action? So what led you to this decision? Yeah, you know, we, I had hit this uh, interesting place in my career where I was teaching essentially adult learners and I was in front of them speaking 24 seven because the, the classes that I lead are very much so like very motivational like you've got this, you can do it and teaching them concepts about goal setting and how to eventually just get to the finish line of their career. And that just prompted me into wanting to talk to other people, not just my students, not just the people that had decided to go into my class, but I wanted to broaden the audience that was listening to me because as I started my motherhood journey, I found myself very alone, like geographically speaking and emotionally at the same time, because I, I live hundreds of miles, um, at least a hundred miles, should I say from closest family and the family that I have the closest ones. It's like my mom, my dad, my sister, my husband, same thing. He has his mom and like a few siblings, but it wasn't when we decided to have kids, it wasn't a place where I was like, oh, great. And after I have my children, my mom can take care of them. It wasn't like that at all. I had to actually find a community to help me because I was new to the area. And even the coworkers, when I decided to start asking like, hey, who takes care of your kids? Who takes care of your kids? It was not an open door like, yeah, my mom can help you. Right. So I had to really find people. And uh, as I journeyed into finding people, I found myself surrounded around women who just love to help each other. And I had joined this mom group on Facebook, but they were so giving, like they just really inspired me to want to give back. And this was the only way that I could think I can give back in this platform. Like I can put a microphone to my face and just talk about not being alone in motherhood. And the, the name of my podcast, the monster podcast, it came from the experience of like, I felt like I was a monster. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but like, no one tells you when you become a mom, how, how you're not going to recognize yourself in certain circumstances. And so I wanted to shine the light specifically onto that because there can be so much shame around feeling like a monster, but also feeling like a bad mom. And we shouldn't be alone in those feelings. We should be saying, Hey, you're not alone we all feel this way at one point or another and it's okay. And you're still a great mom. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. And it's really, I can definitely relate to living in a space where there isn't a lot of family nearby um, and not having resources around me that, you know, were free, unpaid labor, essentially. And having community is so important in parenting. And the more and more I've, I've found community, um, the more supported I feel in my parenting journey. So it's really interesting that you, your reaction to finding community was want to, wanting to bring community to others. I think that's really, really cool. When did you become a mother? Um, because I, every time we talk, I'm always like, holy crap. Um, when did you become a mother? And um, how did, I mean, this is a huge question, but maybe we can talk about the biggest changes in your life because you had mentioned that you felt unrecognizable to yourself. So I guess the two-part question would be, when did you become a mother and, and what were those unrecognizable changes you spoke of? Yeah, so great question. I I like to say that I became a mom when I got pregnant the very first time because um, I, I ended up having a miscarriage, but ever since that miscarriage, internally, I always celebrated Mother's Day after that. Even though I even though my child wasn't alive, I still celebrated Mother's Day and no one else would say happy Mother's Day. And, and I'm okay with that, but I think we need to shine light into the fact that women who, who have experienced something similar to me, they're still mothers. They're still going to be mourning the, the loss that they had. So that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> that was like 10 years ago. Um, that's, that's when I identify that kind of like that moment. And it's crazy because I never wanted kids never wanted kids. And even when, um, that happened, when I, when I realized I was pregnant, um, I was just in this like really weird relationship where we both didn't want kids. So it kind of happened. And even though we were, you know, careful and whatnot, and it's crazy because my instinct reaction was, I can't tell him I need to like figure out how to fix this. But at the same time, I had like all of these emotions of like, but it's here. It was, you know, this quote unquote accident. And like, maybe this is life telling me that I need to be a mom. And then weeks later that got taken from me. Right. So I was in this place of like, wait, should I, am I meant to be a mom? And I'm, am I not meant to be a mom? And I went through this whole mourning process of, like, why would God do this, right? Like, why would Mm. God give me these emotions of like, not wanting children, then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I'm accepting this. This is great. I'm like, shopping for cribs and crap. And then it's gone again. Like, why would that be planted in my life? Right? So I was really, really upset, very angry. Um, And then I it's almost like in my morning process, I was like, okay, that's it. I don't want kids. This is probably just a sign that I'm not meant to have kids. So I just went through a couple more years of like not having kids. And, um, I became a stepmom to a little boy. Well, not, not officially a stepmom. I was in a relationship where he had a son and, um, we became really close because we lived together. 
And um, this little boy and I got really, really close. And unfortunately that relationship didn't work out. And um, I still stay in touch with his mom. So I still get a few updates on him and whatnot. Um, and then I found my husband. <laughs> and then I still didn't want children. Uh, just because like this fear of like, maybe I'm not, maybe my body's not meant to carry children, right? Um, but he, he sort of just like pushed me into like, yeah, let's do it. Let's have kids. Cause he has a daughter from a previous relationship. And to me, I thought that was enough. Like I thought the love that I had for this little girl was just going to be enough. It was going to be fine. Um, but you know, he convinced me <laughs> and, uh, lo and behold, we ended up pregnant with twins back in 2017. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. So you are a twin mom and you are a stepmom to this lovely baby girl. And so thank you for sharing those vulnerable moments as well, because I think it's really important for people to hear about your lived experience and maybe they have a similar one and they felt differently or they felt the same. So I think it's really important to share those things. So going to, you know, your experience as a twin mom and a stepmom, when did you become, when did you experience those moments where you were unrecognizable to yourself? Oh man. So, um, the reason I didn't want to be a mom is because as a child, I had experienced some trauma that I always just like dug and didn't, I buried it, right? Like it was, I didn't want to deal with it. I just want, and I lived a lot of my years just having forgotten it or, you know, not thinking about it, just leaving it behind. And when I moved forward, decided to have my kids, um, my stepdaughter is 10 years older than my twins. So we had the twins. Um, I then started seeing my daughter change physically. And at the same time, I, I think it has to do with it. Um, I decided to become a surrogate. I wanted to give back to those that couldn't have kids or chose not to physically carry them. And no one tells you that in this process, you are injecting hormones into yourself. You are trying to prepare your body to carry and be like at the best hormonal levels to carry this other life. But when you don't get pregnant, because I ended up failing as a surrogate, um, you kind of just, it's almost like I, I kind of sat there and like went back into these feelings of like, am I not meant to do this? Like, like these feelings of loss, even though it wasn't my baby, it wasn't my child, but I, I literally felt like a failure. And I was questioning myself because like, how did I carry these twins that I can't help another family? Like what in the world? And by the time that I got fired, <laughs> right. Cause like the parents decided to just move on. They didn't want to keep going with me. Um, cause I just, I wasn't, my body wasn't doing what it needed to do. So, um, accumulating the twins being babies, um, plus my daughter's changing physically, plus the unresolved trauma, plus now I'm reliving this loss of a child that's not mine, 
all of that just kind of compacted me into me being this very angry person Mm. who had babies. And on a social side, I was supposed to be happy. I was supposed to be this like loving, nurturing mother who could do it all and be a superwoman. And I just found myself so lost in my emotions and I felt dark. It was, it was a dark place to be at. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of this. And it's really interesting because even some of the language that you're saying around your surrogacy, it feels, I can feel your emotion. Um, you know, the language of saying you were fail, you were a failure or you got fired. Um, my first reaction was like, absolutely not. Like that's not a failure. (laughs) Um, or like being fired. I mean, I never, I mean, I, I would have not known about that journey and surrogacy, um, in preparation physically. I mean, it makes sense once you say it, but I personally haven't looked into surrogacy as, you know, deeply as others may have, or, um, you know, thought about doing that. And so thank you for sharing that because I think, I mean, it makes me think of how trauma lives in the body mm-hmm. and how your body, um, will have a physical response to trauma. And it's really wonderful that you can reflect upon that. And I know that there are lots of people that talk about, mom rage and rage within motherhood. And I think it's really important to address it in all of its forms and all of its paths and all of the ways that we experience anger. Um, because I think there is this, (laughs) uh, message we're always being told, like you mentioned on the social side, I should be happy. I should be having, you know, so many blissful moments with my children why am I angry? Why am I stressed? Why am I angry? You know, (laughs) what helped you in your next steps of processing your emotion? I'm assuming it's an ongoing journey because I know it is for me and so many others. How did you start processing, healing, understanding yourself more and more through this, um, process of trauma and then, you know, this anger that you were feeling. Yeah. So around the time that all of this was happening, um, I just started just declining rapidly. I think like consistently and rapidly, right. It happened fast, but, but it was, it wasn't like I had really good days and then one bad day. No, I just continuously was declining into worse and worse days. And my husband noticed, and he said like, Hey, I think I think it's time for you to seek help. Like, what, what's wrong with you? How can I help you? And during that same time, I had a friend of mine, her name is Amy Barra, and she is amazing. I thought, I didn't recognize it. And I thought that maybe I was just having a side effect to gaining weight. Because I, after the hormones and everything, I gained weight, plus I was like stress eating plus the pandemic, like, right? Like you, all these things just, yeah. 
Um, so my friend, friend Amy Ibarra, she uh, was becoming a health coach. So I signed up for one of her programs. And every time we would meet, it would be like her and a group of other gals. And we would start with meditation. And then we would talk about like the, the steps of um, not just eating correctly, but, but really like listening to your body and guiding yourself to eat based off of what your body's telling you. Like just being very aware, that was her practice. And that made me realize like, this is a lot deeper. This is not eating. Although eating triggered me to be more conscious to then equal, oh, like this is where my anxious eating is coming from. Cause she would literally have one-on-ones with me. And I tell her, I just find myself going into the store, grabbing a honey bun, going back into my car and just stuffing it in my face. Like, like, like when you were little and you snuck a treat and you, and you just like went into the closet and just like ate it really fast and tried to like wipe it off your face, like leave no evidence. I'm like, but I'm an adult and I'm in my car and I'm eating this comfort food. Like, what am I ashamed of? Who am I hiding it from? It's my money. Right. And she was like, well, let's dig deeper. And as she dug deeper, we, we undug the trauma and it was, it was, it was almost like this big relief to, to dig it out and go, okay, like this is mine. And now I need to embrace it. And it is, it's a day-to-day struggle of really acknowledging what is triggering the emotions and what is my body communicating to me? Because like you said earlier, you know, the, the body knows what we don't even know sometimes. Yeah. So when we react, it's literally your body saying, I don't like this, or I've experienced this and I don't like this. So sometimes we just don't acknowledge it because we're so fast, 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 go, go, go. And when you're able to slow down, And again, even to just like, like, what does my body want? What do I want to eat today? Like that slow down really makes you check in with yourself. And that's kind of how it was all born into, you know, where I am now, Um, which by the way, I'm not anywhere where I want to be. (laughs) I'm still miles away from that, but I'm more conscious now and being more conscious has made me slow down a little bit, but it's, it's actually made me a better mom because I'm able to, instead of seeing my kids go into a rage and take it personal, I'm able to go, what are they trying to communicate right now? (laughs) Cause man, like the, the tantrums, the, the crying, those used to be like, so triggering to me. I mean, my son crying sometimes, I just, I, I would get so angry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like a mom should not get angry. She should be like wanting to help. And right. But I, I, I wasn't there and I, I had to like step back and really figure out like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's kind of where it started. Super, super interesting. Because again, it's the physical, and I I can totally relate to so much of this, but again, again, it's the physical action 
um, in association with trauma as well. So like changing your physical movements when you're having a trigger is going to help your brain reprogram that trigger as well. And so I think that's really, really cool that you started to look into that for yourself. Um, but I also think a lot of the things that you're talking about are really normal. Um, and that we don't always shed a light on either. And you talk about this in your show as well, like that anger component, um, when a child is crying and you can't do anything about it, or when, you know, when someone is not doing something in the way that you want them to, after a while, it can be really upsetting. Initially it can be upsetting after a couple minutes, it can be upsetting, like, I think it's normal to feel upset when someone is either upset or not doing something that you want them to be doing in that moment, especially when it comes to parenthood, because your communication is so much more evolved in various ways than your child's communication. Um, I wouldn't say evolved, but I just mean different. The ways in which we're communicating are different. Um, And you have to really put together all the puzzle pieces on how they're communicating. And I think what is so interesting about what you're saying as well is the evolution of your toolbox. So the tools that you had at the time versus the tools you have now and being able to be open and willing to fill your toolbox with new tools and new things or, or replace that tool because it's just not working for you anymore. So I think that is really cool. Um, and such an important discussion because the thing that I found was so revelatory for me, because I had a lot of trauma when I was growing up was once I had my son, I was like, Oh, my parents were doing the absolute best they could at the time with the tools that they were given. And I don't agree with a number of things that they did, but they were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had with the toolbox they were carrying. And so I just had this realization around that. And then also I can improve that. I can continue to evolve. And I really love the fact that you said you're nowhere near you want where you want to be and you want to improve upon yourself. Because I think it's really easy to go into an interview with anyone from any background and think, I'm interviewing them and they did it. Everything's great. (laughs) But I think we're all evolving. And that's really important to remember. So when you are emotionally in tune with yourself, and, and, you know, you've created this community now to talk to other parents about being more aware and, and keeping things real. Um, what are some practices that have really helped you feel more aligned in your body, in your mind, which I know trickle down into your parenting? Yeah. So I've always been an outside person. I grew up camping. I grew up hiking. So I started gardening. I literally just became one with the garden (laughs) (laughs) and it's helped to not just learn how to produce my own food, but to really just get dirty, like having dirt under my nails. It's like, Oh man, like when you go take a shower, it's like, man, I did something today. Like I, I get it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like upset about it. I'm like, Oh, that like, yeah, that was, that was a great day in the garden today. And Mm. just, there's something about uh, 
And the other day, my sister was like, well, why would you go into your garden with sandals? Because I got bit up by ants. And I was like, uh, why not? Like, you're just more in tune with the earth, with, with what you're doing. Like, you know more. You At least I do. And um, so I, I started gardening and I just... I don't think I'm the best gardener out there, but, <laughs> but, but it, it definitely, it helps because it's, um, I go out there in the morning with my cup of coffee and I water my plants and I kind of just watch them grow. And it, there's a big fulfillment and just, I, I always get so excited when I see like new vegetables or, you know, whatever. It's like, Oh my gosh, like, Today I saw two little bell peppers growing and I'm like, oh, they look like <laughs> little butts. Like, oh, like, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's science behind that as well, the practice of earthing, which is mm-hmm. just going out with your bare feet on earth. Um, but being connected to like the magnetic fields of the earth. I yeah. am not an expert in this. I've just read a couple things, but it makes a lot of sense that that would calm your nervous system. Yeah. And how is this translated into your parenting now that you're just more mindful? And I want to be like super hyper aware of the fact that you're saying you're still on this journey because we all are. And I think it's really, really important to highlight that these are small steps that we're all taking if you're in any stage of your life. So how has this changed your parenting too? I yell less. (laughs) So I grew up with a mom that yelled and now I get it. Now I understand because to me, like yelling to get their attention, you would think, or at least I used to think it, it was like, oh, they're instantly going to stop and look at you. No, that's not the case. Like you're just wasting energy trying to yell. But I, I definitely, um, I yell less at my kids, not to say that I don't ever, because sometimes like we just, you know, have that, that moment. Um, but it's rare and yeah, it's really rare now. And my kids just, they love being around me. <laughs> I don't know as sad as that sounds, uh, but they, they want to be around me and I want to be around them. There's definitely times where I'm like, hey, mom needs a break. I'm going to go get my nails done. But I crave wanting to be back with them. And that was not the case before. No, there there used to be this like huge resentment of like, if I hadn't listened to my husband and if I hadn't had the kids, then I wouldn't be feeling these emotions that I'm feeling now. I used to think that way. So it, it just even more co- compounded into feeling like a bad mom. And as I sought help, as I got more therapy, more professional help, it was like, well, I ended up finding out there's a lot of people that feel this way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I am normal. Yeah. You totally <laughs> but, are. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, I actually, I, I want to be around my kids. I, I love them and miss them all the time. And uh, we just got hit with COVID not that long ago. And I got to spend three weeks with them working from home. And, you know, with, with all of us having COVID, I couldn't send them to the babysitters. So I was literally teaching virtually just like this with my kids running around in the background. And I have to say, I probably would not have survived that like previous Veronica version. Mm. 
I, I would have exploded 100%, but it was, it was all just a balance of like mute, Hey guys, you know, go over there, you know, unmute, teach a little bit like, okay, I'll be right back guys, you know, telling my students and then go take care of my kids. Like it was just a, a balance of being able to multitask versus in the past, I probably would have just lost my shit and yelled at everybody, told my kids to go to bed, you know? Yeah. So yeah, there's a difference for sure. 100%. And in those moments, I feel like also there is with past Veronica, what I'm talking about is those moments of kind of like blind anger where Mm -hmm. something happens and then you didn't realize it was as bad. And then you kind of come down from that moment. Did you have moments like that of rage where something would, where you would yell or something and then you'd have that moment of self-realization or was it until you started to seek help that you realize those things. Because I know that for me in moments where I feel anger, there is a moment where I kind of come down from it and I'm like, oh shit, like I wish I had reacted in A, B, and C. And for me in the past, it's been like a cumulative thing where I've realized it, but not until somebody's kind of said something. Was that similar for you or did you have only those realizations once you were seeking help? I felt like the previous me felt very much in this space of like, well, these are my emotions and everybody else has to deal with it. And it wasn't until those emotions started really affecting the facial expressions of the people I was hurting. Mm. So like my daughter, um, even my, my kids, I would rage out at my stepdaughter for the stupidest shit. Like literally she would have done laundry, took out her laundry from the dryer. And the mere fact that a sock would fall and she wouldn't realize it and pick it up. I I would be like, Isabel, come grab this sock. Did you not see the sock fell from your pile? And she'd be like, no, why didn't you notice it? And I would have her like sit down at her desk and write, I will not forget to look at the sock. I'm like, I look back and I'm like, I was, I cannot believe I did that to her. Like, because I, and I've apologized to her because in my process, I realized I made her feel what my mom made me feel, Mm. which was stupid and almost non-human. But in the moment of that rage, I explained to her, I wanted you to be so aware because if you weren't aware of this one sock, then you weren't going to be aware of the dangers of life. That's, that was my thought process. It was like this sock that she forgot equaled harm for her future. Wow. And I felt like if I was just so tough on her, if I just like made her open her eyes, she would be better off she would not experience some things that other women experienced. And I was, I thought I was making her better. And she still forgets herself sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but, but just, just the ability for me to acknowledge the faces of my kids and, and, you know, my stepdaughter included 
just that that face that that they made when when they were really hurt by me and um I'm a proud person <laughs> so so they would make that facial expression or they would react to what I was doing and I would just remove myself from the situation um until I grew to the point where I could apologize so now I apologize yeah that is I I think it's really awesome and brave of you to share all of this because I think that there are a lot of women and caretakers in similar positions that may react to to those things in similar ways um, because of past trauma, um, living in an environment where that was similar. And like you said, your mom was similar in the way that she spoke to you. Um, And then also a lack of self-care or self-love and and just not taking time to see you and all of the beautiful parts and all of the things that you deserve. I think those, this is a really, really important conversation to have. Um, Cause I, you know, I experienced moments of rage and in particular during the newborn phase of my son's life that it was horrible. And I felt really betrayed by everyone who told me my baby would just sleep and eat and it would just be this blissful time. And I was like, you're all lying. (laughs) And of course I felt so happy and um, joyful, but not at first, not until I sought professional help. Um, and I didn't recognize that was a moment for me where I felt unrecognizable to myself was when I was too afraid to take care of my baby and it was too scary and I felt fearful and I felt like I'd lost a sense of myself. And I was like, what did I do? Um, and then when like my baby was, he's not the kind of kid you just put down and he just goes right to sleep. I didn't have that experience with my newborn. You had to work for it with my newborn. And so when you were talking about like those moments of your son crying, I really felt that because I would feel rageful and I would have to put him down. And I remember being like telling myself out loud, Christina, you have to put your son down and walk away. Because there were these moments where then I would, you know, I, I was like, am I going to be out of body? You know? And I, and I would say, I have to walk away. He will be okay in his crib. I can put him down here. He's going to cry for a little bit longer. I can come back after a breath. And I grew up in a home where I was around mom rage, parent rage, really all the time. And so I really appreciate you sharing all of this because I think people don't really recognize a cycle. Um, Like you said, you had pride or you thought, you know, this is the way I feel until it's really showing itself very obviously, or if somebody says it to you in a really obvious way. Um, And I would, when my son was a newborn, I would talk to my husband and say, I need a moment. I, you know, just, I think through going through my trauma and lots of therapy, I was like, okay, I don't want 
A, B, and C to happen. Like I'm going to be super communicative to a point where it's annoying. And like, this is just what it's going to be. Um, and I think that's like something super, super important, um, in a journey of parenthood or existing on this planet is being hyper aware. Like you were saying, when you started making those changes, you you said your kids like being around you. Yeah. They like spending time with you. Um, I think you're also teaching your children a lesson. Like it, you need and deserve support too, for not just you as a mom, but they, they like individually, deserve that time and support. And I remember you talking on your show about a story, um, with your daughter asking you for a hug. Yeah. And can you kind of describe that story a bit? Because I think it's such a beautiful moment where you're like, Oh, do you, you need a hug right now? Okay. Like you're telling me what you need. Um, would you mind describing that story a bit? Yeah. So, um, in the process of me becoming better, I would, see my children communicating the way that they knew how to communicate best, which would be the crying, the tantrums. And what I learned to work best was just getting down at their level and asking them if they needed a hug. Like, do you just want mommy to hold you? Do you need a hug right now? And at first they were really just confused. And then they started recognizing like, yeah, a hug can make me feel better. So uh, I would give them this hug and just embrace them and tell them, you know, I still love you. It's okay. It was an accident, you know, whatever it is that had happened. And uh, now my, my daughter, whenever she is feeling that like, oh man, like I, I need to self-regulate. She asks me for her a hug and it can literally be like, Hey, Ezzy, you need to go pick up your toys. And she feels like my voice maybe is just too loud. And she's just like, okay, I still love you. And I need a hug. And it's like, yeah, I love you too. <laughs> so she, it's, it's just such a proud moment for me to see her ask for what she wants, because it feels like maybe our generation or, you know, maybe just the way I grew up, I wasn't allowed to ask at that young of an age, really, like as a child, I wasn't allowed to ask for things. I wasn't allowed to say like, Hey mom, that hurt my feelings or that hurt or, you know, none of that. And I, I'm so proud that my children are growing up with this awareness and even like going back to self-care and the, the times that we need for ourselves to refuel. I never learned that. My mom, she, I never witnessed my mom go get her nails done I never saw her go get her eyebrows threaded, waxed, like none of that. Like my mom didn't wear makeup. She was just this like very down to earth, but at the same time, she was a penny pincher and she would do anything to save money. So I, and, and I had this, like, I felt like I needed to replicate my mom. And it's not until acknowledging that I don't, I, I can be my own mom. I can be my own person. I can be. Oh, that is so different. gorgeous. Like we don't have to replicate that, right? Like I can be Veronica and Veronica a mom that does not represent what Veronica child learned. We, we don't have to do that. And it's like, like mind blown, like, 
fuck, okay, let me start writing my own story then. Yeah. I just, I just hope that my kids can also see that. And I, I, I feel like I'm witnessing it. I feel like I witnessed them do that when, when they tell me no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm okay with it. Like I'll tell my son, like, buddy, I just want a big kiss. And when he doesn't want to give you a kiss, he'll just give you his forehead. Right. Yeah. That's what my son does. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I picked up his little face from his chin and I looked at him and I said, buddy, if you don't want to kiss me, you can say, no, mommy, not right now. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And he was like, no, mommy, not right now. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I want them to be aware and to stop anyone and I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's their dad, grandma, grandpa. Like if they don't like something, like you have a voice and your voice matters. And you say no, you, you, you ask for what you need. Yeah. 100%. That's my biggest. Yes. Oh, it's so gorgeous. And just that line of you saying I can be my own mother. That is beyond true. And it's just such a gorgeous thing to say, because then that, that rolls into everything else. Like you're taking care of yourself the way that you want to be taken care of. And you're doing the same for your children. And again, your mom had the tools in her toolbox at the time that were the best for her. She was doing her absolute best. And it's, I, I love the, there's a lot in this discussion around your kids with consent. And I think that's really important um, because I teach my son the same. And I, I've always been really uncomfortable with the notion of having a kid forced to hug someone or kiss someone, or even give them a high five or anything like that, like pushing something on them. I just don't agree with, and it's become really wonderful it, my son isn't even two yet, but it's wonderful to see him. You know, when we ask, can I give you a hug? And he says, no. And I said, okay, <laughs> like that's totally fine. Um, yeah. And I think it's hard sometimes for us, but I think it's really, really important. Like you were saying for a child to have a voice in what they're doing with their body. And even going down the line of, you know, how you were saying, just giving them an option to feel love in a moment where they're feeling frustrated with you is super, super important. Or just to sit there, you know, sometimes my son will be having a tantrum and I feel overwhelmed and I just sit there and I just kind of stare at him and I'm just like, okay, it's okay. Like, you know, like I'm going to pet your back or if you don't want to be touched, I'll just be here when you're ready and I'll give you the options but also I'm going to set the boundary, (laughs) like whatever boundary had to be set, like we're going to set that boundary. Um, and I think, you know, I, I didn't grow up in that kind of environment. Um, but I'm really grateful more and more people are realizing these things and setting the stage for, um, you like, just like you were saying for our children to have a voice and to express how they feel. Um, especially 
I definitely think young, young girls, but especially young boys too, because I think doing so in a way that's gentle and earnest and not angry um, and not forcing anyone to see something the way that you see it, but just expressing yourself is um, really, really important for young boys too. And, and I think that's something that can be overlooked in order to be a man or like, so I'm curious now that you have started your show and I know we're close to our timing up. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um, now that you've started your show and, you know, you have this beautiful community where you've spoken about these things before and you decided to, to get back on the mic and talk about all of these things, what changes are you seeing yourself after doing this and creating more conversation? Oh man, I just, I definitely have the sense of everybody's story is different and there's commonality, but there's also differences and things to take away from each guest that I have. For example, one of my early on guests, um, his name's Daniel, and we were talking about step parenting and, you know, he's the biological father of his son, of course, and his son has a stepdad and kind of like, what is that role? And their dynamic is, is so great. They have a really good relationship, the three of them, you know, mom, dad, stepdad, and just the kids also, they, it's just, it's, I learned so much from him. And I had said in that episode, you know, I'm, I'm not in a good place with my daughter's mom right now. It's just so hard to like give in, give in, give in, and just get in a sense, like slapped in the face, you know, cause stuff happens, like shit hits the fan, right? Like in, in, in step parenting, it's going to happen. But he said something to me, he said, well, yeah, but life is hard. And in that second, I was like, yeah, I guess it is. And literally probably a week later, like that, that just didn't leave my mind. And I got the courage to call my daughter's mom and, um, and I apologized to her. Not, not because I had essentially, like I didn't do anything to her, <laughs> but in a way I did. And I, I just let her in on like the things that I had been struggling. And I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry for having treated your daughter the way that I did because I know she told her stories, you know, like, like as, as daughters, we go home, we tell our mom. Yeah. And, um, in that conversation, she was like, yeah, you know, Isabel would come home and she'd say like, Hey, you know, this happened. And she would instantly want to like text me or something. And uh, my daughter would tell her, no, it's okay. We fixed it. You know, it's fine. But, um, but I, I told her, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, I want you to know that, um, I sought help and I got therapy and I'm medicated and I feel better now. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, in a, in a way I, I didn't have to apologize to her, but I felt like I needed to, because as a mom myself, you know, I, who knows how I would have reacted. I probably wouldn't have listened to my kids and probably would have gone and knocked on someone's door and been like, Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. But she, um, it, the way that she took 
what I, that conversation just really told me that she was in a different place, uh, a, a growth place, just like I was. And she accepted my apology and uh, we're, we're now in a really good place. So um, just, just, you never know what you're going to get out of a guest. And that's one of the things that selfishly I really enjoy from having my podcast, just the different perspectives and the different things that people teach you without you even knowing. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful reflection and what a beautiful choice for your stepdaughter and, and her daughter, you know, not just for yourself, but for her and giving her an opportunity to not feel in the middle or um, weird about anything and uncomfortable. I think that's really, really important. Um, and, and I don't know, obviously, if she's aware of what, but I think it's just wonderful to have those moments where you can have that regulation and that moment of understanding in a somewhat uncomfortable sometimes situation. And what a cool testament to not only having a show and putting things out there, but to having conversation and just genuinely talking to people and understanding each other and trying to navigate life by just having an open conversation out there. And what I also find really incredible about your show is that you're going to touch so many people by being vulnerable and open and just having those conversations because who knows who might be listening to that episode of your show hear something and go and have, you know, a reaction or take action in, in some area. So yeah. you as the host are doing that. So I can only imagine what other people listening will be doing as well. And I'm really, really excited to see how you evolve and how your show evolves and how this journey you're on evolves. I think it's already super beautiful and the work that you're putting into yourself and that you're putting out there is so necessary. Um, I can relate to a lot of the things that you were saying and, um, the way that you're growing is super inspiring. So thank you for being super vulnerable on this show. Thank you for being a part of the Amplify Her Media Network and for putting your voice out there. I think it's going to change a lot of lives and, um, yeah, I'm just really excited that we get to have this conversation today. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And if you want to listen to Veronica's show, it's called the Momster Podcast. And where is it available, Veronica? It's available on Apple, Spotify, and the Google podcast platform. Amazing. Thank you for being here. And uh, for those of you who are new to this show, who are regular listeners of the show, please never forget that your voice matters and your story matters. And I will see you on the next episode. Um, have a beautiful, beautiful day, everyone. The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media.